everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. My name is Andy. Sitting right next to me in her lazy boy recliner is Jenny. Hello. And 117 miles to our southwest. You just added an extra mile. It is Megan. Hello. I, it's it's either 111, 116, or I guess now 117. Yeah, I, I don't know. First time for 117. I think that's wrong. Okay. I just did it. <laughs> Google Maps now says it's 115 miles door to door. What the fuck, Google Maps? <laughs> is my house moving? Is your house moving? <laughs> One of our houses are moving. I mean, our house is in a literal construction site, so it's possible. My house, if it's moving anywhere, it's into the ground. <laughs> so. I don't think it's sunk by two miles in the last year. No, it hasn't. But in my anxious brain, it's going to. And I need to take care of it. So, you know, it, it haunts me. Word. Is that really a thing? Like, is your is your foundation really sinking? Only the middle. So, like, I have an old house built in the 50s. And so the outside, like, frame was built with brick or concrete or something. So it's stable. But then there's a beam in the middle, and that sucker is sinking, and you can see it. And realistically, it's going to sink, like, probably an inch every 10 years. But in my mind, I'm about to get a giant, like, sinkhole right in my living room. Oh, shit. It's me. I have anxiety issues. It's just something I notice, uh, especially because, like, with the dogs, if there's, like, a ball on the floor, it rolls. You know, without my help. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, we have a brand new house, and I feel like our kitchen slants quite a lot to the left. Like our, when I make eggs on the stove, they all just kind of rolled, up, like scrambled eggs, they all just kind of rolled one side of the pan. So we definitely have some leaning issues as well. When Jenny. they came for a one-year inspection, they're like, oh, it's fine. And I'm like, is it? Because it feels unfine. Your house is built on a slab. It should not be doing stuff like that. Well, it is. You got the dream. Like, if you're not going to have a basement, it's just a straight slab so that the house doesn't sink. This is home ownership for any listeners out there who aren't lucky enough to have experienced all the fun chores that and responsibilities that come with it. Houses are great until they sink into the earth. And uh, if you have not yet purchased a house, uh, I'm sorry, you missed your window. It's that it's over. Um, yep. <laughs> Wait a couple more years. I'm sure the Fed will bring back down those interest rates. We'll see. (laughs) Um, Hey, guys. uh, Megan, what's your interest rate? Are you trying to, are we trying to do like a, a, I think it's like 3.75 or 3.5 or 3.75. I got it. I got in like six years ago before this whole COVID and, you know, housing boom and all that. So like I, I got a normal rate at the time, I believe. And uh, I just know if I try to refinance like recently, I would never get the same rate I have now. So no. I'm settled into it. I'm not doing anything short of selling the house, which I refuse to do. Um, that three point, whatever I've got is sticking with me for the duration. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Did, did you have like a follow up to that? I just thought we'd talk about. Then talk about it. Well, no, I, I was I was just asking. Megan didn't ask what ours was. so I, I was going to say, I told you mine. 
You gonna tell me yours? I think ours is 275. Oh my god. Yeah. Cause we got we like we just really lucked out with the timing. But I think they're like seven percent now. Yeah. Crazy. What a flex from you, but congratulations. I I respect <laughs> that. And also like you got that on a house you built, so kudos. Yeah, uh, we just we just kind of lucked out from a timing perspective, but I'm happy with her, right? Still a shit ton of interest to pay on it, but like... Oh, yeah. Never look at how much the actual total of your house, like what you'll pay <laughs> if you pay your 30-year mortgage or whatever. It's upsetting. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It's been interesting, um, like, you know, because we, we bought into this neighborhood that didn't exist. And we were the first people to sign a contract. So we got like in at the lowest possible price. So now as, as the neighborhood is like the project is coming to a close and starting to wrap up, we got probably about a year left. We think Um, it's been interesting watching people move in where we know like, Oh, they're a lot richer than us because they're moving in now. (laughs) (laughs) You see it in their cars too. They don't have a 10 year old Hyundai. (laughs) Also, Jenny's been in literally every one of those houses. <laughs> She's well, sick. Like, the the houses are like all the same, but it's just like you just know that these people have a lot more money because they're moving in now when the houses are. How much more do the, does, does our house cost now that we moved into it? It costs $130,000 more <gasps> now. Like the base price. Like, yeah. That's everyone like another can pick different options, but the base price is $130,000 more than what we paid for it. Yeah. It's insane. I Plus mean, interest rates are seven and a half percent. Yeah. Damn. So these people are like these people are our new neighbors are fucking rich. Yeah. It's like you guys should be on the nicer area of town, which is just a few minutes away. Yeah, no, like, we just need to we need to make <laughs> friends with these new people. And hope they like wine. And hope they like wine because they And hope they put in a pool. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> oh my so there God. are opportunities to be had because they're stuck with us. Because we're not going We're anywhere. not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Way to get in early on the ground floor. I mean, I would argue uh, you you got rewarded for the risk because you don't know who the hell is going to show up and buy all the spots around you. That's true. And, but, I mean, we had to live through well, what will probably end up being like close to three years of construction. But, you know, still worth it. Yeah. You customized it to your tastes. That's very nice. Um, and you've got a while before your house actually starts sinking. So don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we've dilly dallied well, enough. We have one other dilly dally. We got a, an important dilly dally. But we got a. We we've got, got a birthday. We've got an alert, elite beat birthday of Andy. Happy fortieth birthday! Thank you, thank you. This Should is, we sing? You know, no, it won't be. It won't be quite in like sync. Um, yes, thank you very much. I turned 40 years old today. Um, this is the second time that we have done a recording on an Elite Beat birthday. Yeah, because, Megan's birthday. Yeah, last year, Megan's birthday coincided with uh, the first dance at uh, at the United Center. And, uh, you know, CM Punk returned to wrestling, and then everything was fine after that. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. And Megan turned another year. That was exciting. Remember we we sat up sat up late and then Uni and Jason recorded. Yes, it was a lot of fun, and I was yeah. very excited. Yeah, that was a good birthday for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, 
my birthday present is that uh uh you know probable speaker of the house kevin mccarthy has been failed to be voted in 11 rounds in a row now so that's been fun to to watch Take the L, bro. was this lazy boy couch that you're sitting on oh yeah that's true yeah i'm also on a lazy boy it's a, a three-seater because this is not a video podcast so you can't see this um but yeah I'm, I'm i'm very much in love with it thank you yeah wife we're at the age where we needed a new couch and uh Someone's birthday coincided with the timing of needing the new couch. She says from her personal lazy boy chair. Yes, I needed this as well. Of course. (laughs) You know, it occurs to me, I I was thinking, I was thinking earlier today about my dad's 40th birthday and how that's one of, one of the first memories of my life. Uh, And I don't know, I don't know why it wasn't remarkable. It was just like we had dinner at my grandma's house. And, and I think it was just because, 40 sounded like like a big thing to me as a almost six-year-old and uh and and, you know and obviously like jenny and i don't have children but if we do someday while while there will not be a 40th birthday for them to remember they can always listen to this episode of the elite beat to see what their dad was doing (laughs) on his 40th birthday (laughs) i can't believe and interest rates I cannot wait until any of your future progeny like grow up enough to know what podcasts are and that their dad hosts. I don't, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay present. I'm going to say at that time, we will still be doing this host (laughs) a podcast and uh, they can just go out there and like get on the internet and download it. What a wild time. I know. Right. We really might need to go back and edit some of them. They're going to hear you curse. They're going to hear me curse. Jenny curses too. Wolf, it's like not a good luck. I curse quite a lot. I think I curse in the opening sentence. Yeah, we all do. It's okay. You know, kids of the future will be better at handling it, I'm sure. Hopefully. I don't I don't know. Just like they handle sexuality better now because everybody's more open about it. Yeah. 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 Take the power away from the word. You just you don't act like it's a big deal. Probably, probably tell them not to say it at school. Yeah, because I think they'd get in trouble. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But their classmates will think they're awesome. Mm. So I don't know. It's a toss up. Maybe let them live their life. <laughs> what? Uh, how how are you feeling about being forty? Um, I was. I feel okay today. I was having a little bit of blues about it yesterday. I don't really know why. Um, everything's fine. I just, I don't know. I just, I was feeling a little down about it yesterday, but I feel better today. Okay, good. Yeah. I had a couple of friends come over last night. I watched Dynamite with me and we drank some beers and, and that was a fun time. Yeah. I don't really do that very much anymore. So. That's nice. Yeah. It was kind of a nice Nice way to celebrate birthday eve. And I'm happy to be here with you guys tonight. So Yeah. And uh tomorrow we're gonna go out to dinner. Yeah. And uh and then uh Saturday we're gonna watch movies with Megan and her sister. That's right. Yeah. And then next Saturday you got your big birthday party planned. Yeah, so real I mean I'm I'm really milking the hell out of this Jenny style. Um <laughs> whatever. It's birthday month for her, which you know 
eventually it will creep up to like birthday quarter. Yeah. <laughs> birthday like, half year. Can you even imagine when she turns 40, like the 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 gala that we're gonna have to put on? Guys, I'm already like, I don't you're handling this in a much more mature way than I think I'm gonna handle 40 in a couple years. She's gonna need a day to process, cry, go through all the levels of uh, emotions, you know, until she gets to acceptance. And then I guess we can throw her a big party that she will then be ready for. And if we don't throw it because she's upset, she will freak out and, and be mad at us and be upset for yet another day. So there's like a, a rhythm and we have to hit the sweet spot. That's that I know. So we'll, we'll figure it out by the time You're right. she gets there. You and I, we're going to have to like really talk this over beforehand. Um, should I read the text that my dad sent me this morning? Yeah, it was this like the like most emotional text I've ever. I, I didn't know he was even capable of emotion <laughs> like this. That's I can't lovely. wait for it be to be like totally a normal person text. <laughs> <coughs> okay, this is uh, what my dad sent me today at seven thirty six a.m. Happy birthday! Forty years ago at nine o two, I was watching the doctor and nurses trying to get a large baby out of a small incision. And I was getting panicky, but out you came. I love you and the man you've become, and I hope uh, you have the same joy in the future that I've had with you. That is so nice and sweet, but I also feel like he should have kept that for his birthday toast to you at dinner sometime in the future. I don't, You know, like, it feels like he should have been holding up a glass of champagne and then finish it off with, like, a clink, and then you guys drink together and it's epic very frasery moment you know oh that would have been a good fraser moment yeah but wow that is the most jenny's right your dad is so dry and matter of fact that that is that is the most emotional i think i've ever heard him i and by here here you read his words yeah yeah i was i was surprised it was it was very lovely Okay, should we can we drink something now? Yes. Right. Uh, he's 40, he's freaking out. Now it's time for what we do every week, and we call it the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. I've uh I've broken into a spin drift. I haven't gotten into any of those in a while. CM Punk ruined it. Yeah, he did. This is a strawberry lemonade, so we'll see how this drinks. Nice. Thank you. Okay. And I have that Pepsi. Um, I'm using my new uh, matte black, or I guess it's Navy. It's Navy. Matte Navy. Uh, uh, what are these Brewmate. called? Brewmate. Um, it feels so nice and smooth. You can hear it. I'm just, my hands sliding yeah. all over it. I also am using a Brewmate, but mine is not matte and it does not have that smoothness. <sighs> but what were you opening? You didn't tell us. I said Diet Pepsi. Oh, you yeah, did. Okay. Diet Pepsi. Jenny, don't let CM Punk ruin Spinder for you. I've not let it go, and I love it. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking about him as I drink this, and I don't like that. You gotta put it out of your mind. Don't let him win. All right. Exactly. Um, I'm going with my what's becoming usual uh, Woodford Reserve, and I'm doing this because I was doing Dry January, and then I thought about it and was like, wait, there's a wine tasting, <laughs> and so. I've decided to convert to maybe like a, this sounds horrible, a moist January. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try to like ride the non-alcoholic weekdays, except for like 
podcast and the wine tasting, uh, you know, just cut back enough to be sort of dry. That's really the healthiest way. Yeah, I think I should moderation should teach myself moderation. I was getting a little crazy with the partying. That's not true. It just like really like wine. And so um, I drank as much as I wanted to. And maybe that was more than I should have. So I'm coming back for January. (laughs) If not for the wine tasting, I probably would have attempted to do dry January. But I got to admit, I'm not upset that it's turned into like a, a little sprinkle January, you know? Yeah. Uh, you've heard this sound before. This bottle's been open before, but here's the cork coming out. Yeah. All right. When do your new um, bourbons arrive for your um, bourbon of the month club? I got one actually the other day, and I forget what it's called, but it looked really cool. It had like a like a slot machine theme where it was like seven seven seven, you know, um, and it was from Canada, so. That's interesting. So not a bourbon. Yeah, I'm thinking they have to branch out. And I don't know what constitutes. Because I know bourbons like champagne. It has to come from Kentucky, right? Like it has to be. But they're giving me samplings of like a bunch of different ones. So maybe it is better called a whiskey. A whiskey, yeah. I'm up for whatever. I just want to try some new stuff. But I was like, oh, this bottle looks cool. So I'm going to give that a shot after I'm done with this one. Um. Well, I guess I could have tried it, but I was like, oh, dry January. I'll have to do it in February. But maybe I'll try it sooner. If I remember correctly from when we went on those bourbon tours, it had to come from Kentucky. It had to be in a specific oak barrel that had been, Mm -hmm. like, aged. And then something about the mash also um, was specific, and I, I don't remember the details but i think there was like a little bit more than uh just from coming from kentucky it was very interesting and i like rules so i appreciated it yeah you nerded out on that much like you did when we took wine tours and champagne tours so i'm sure you're correct i just was all i remembered was kentucky was a component yeah i thought okay so this isn't from kentucky so i guess it's technically whiskey but whatever i don't know how it works it was a gift i'm not gonna complain nice it's exciting yeah guys there's uh there's breaking news in the world of wrestling this is not um this is not AEW news but um it's AEW like you know adjacent as as thing as major things happen in wrestling it affects their ripples that affect the entire industry uh this is a press release uh, that was put out by none other than Vincent Kennedy McMahon today Uh-oh. <laughs> Vince McMahon, the founder and controlling shareholder of World Wrestling Entertainment, Inc., in parentheses, says WWE or the company. Oh, that's oh. how you say it. Oh, okay. That's the proper term, so See, you don't have to spell to, out the entire thing for the rest of the release. Good to have a business mind on the, on the show with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, announced today that he has taken necessary actions to position the company to capitalize on a unique opportunity to maximize long-term value for all WWE shareholders. The actions communicated to WWE's board of directors today via written consent include the election to the board of Mr. McMahon, as well as Michelle Wilson and George Barrios, former WWE co-presidents and board members, and currently uh, the co-founders and co-CEOs of uh, Capital Management 
and the requisite removal from the board of three directors. Mr. McMahon expects to assume the role of executive chairman of the board. Does it say which directors are being exited? No. Um, it's a, it continues. Are they? Mr. His McMahon's new favorite. role will enable unified decision-making through the company's upcoming media rights negotiations and a parallel full review of the company's strategic alternatives, which Mr. McMahon's believes is the right course of action and in the best interests of WWE and WWE shareholders amidst the current dynamics in the media and entertainment industry. As Mr. McMahon has communicated to the board, he believes there is a narrow window of opportunity to create significant value for all shareholders, and to do so, the strategic alternatives review must occur in tandem with the media rights negotiations. Um, so basically, <laughs> Vince is coming back, and he's bringing the old presidents that he fired with him, um, and presumably Triple H and Stephanie are back at the kids' table. <gasps> I bet they're mad. I bet they're very mad. Can Do you, you think can they're you... the two of the three directors that are getting replaced? I don't know. I just this is uh I mean this is insane. Their stock is up a dollar sixty today. Okay. Well, so is he allowed to do that? Is the majority share owner? Right? Doesn't is he it... own like eighty percent of the shares or something crazy is... like that? It's so weird. They have like class A and class B stock where mm. the class A stock is a lot more powerful than the class B stock. And so he overall he owns 80% of the voting shares okay. in the company. But isn't he also still in litigation for you know mis is it misappropriating funds what he did? Yep. Like no, isn't I mean there there have been no charges filed against him. There were no charges filed? No. I thought that there were charges filed. No. There was an investigation. Okay. Internal. Yes. Ugh. The worst kinds. <laughs> so, I mean... I don't know. All I can think about is William Regal. <laughs> they know... Like, anyone who made a decision to go back to WWE while um, Triple H was, like, in charge or stay with WWE when their contract was up because Triple H was in charge should have recognized this as a risk. For sure. Unless Vince was behind bars or dead, he could always come back. Plus, I mean, his daughter and her husband were basically taking his place as if he wouldn't be influencing them. From the sidelines. Well, true. Oof. That's true. That is interesting. Kind of weird. Do you think that there's going to be a quick sort of reverse effect where everybody who went back tries to then get out of their contracts? Or are we just going to like let this one ride? I don't think we'll try to get out of their contracts. I think that they're probably in danger of their contracts not being honored again. Uh <laughs> Oh, you think Vince is going to cut the fat? I mean, if he's talking about creating, like, maximum value yeah. for shareholders. Yeah, I do think he's going to make tons of cuts. I mean, because think about it, He made all those cuts, and then Triple H brought a ton of those people back. You don't think he's going to reverse that decision that he had previously made? No, you're probably right. I mean, their roster 
always seem kind of bloated. I don't know how much they got it down in the era of cutting people. But definitely it seems like they had a lot. Much like I worry AEW is getting to the point of where Mm -hmm. they keep bringing on people and they're not all on TV. And uh, it's kind of like, what is the investment here? (laughs) Face tattoo minor league baseball players made TV three weeks in a row. Once this guy, and they won't even give us a name. Like, I don't even need his his real name, you know? I just can't refer to him as that guy that hasn't been revealed yet. It's too much to say. It's a mouthful. Yeah, they're like the, like, scary face tattooed man. And it's like, uh, what kind of name is that? Just, yeah, identify him. Because when he is identified... I don't know if it's going to have the effect they want. I'm going to be like, okay, that's a name. I still don't know who the hell he is. Gives me no context. I just need something to call him. Right. It's like, I still don't care who he is. I still don't want him on my TV. What's yeah, the point he, of this? He has no cultural cachet with me. Just give me something I can refer to him as. That's all I'm asking for. Is this... You signed a guy instead of, like... I don't know. Like, okay, you got Parker there. He, you already had him under contract. See, that's fine. Give him something different to do. And then, like, I don't know, Cesar Bononi is just hanging out there with the wingman. He's enormous. You know, like, put him in that in that role as a heavy. He, there, he there are people. There are people like just languishing in in dark, waiting for an opportunity like this. They wanted a very specific look. Clearly, Tattoos. Cesar Bononi would have gotten his face tattooed on. Yeah, I bet he would have. <laughs> Ask or, one of those guys. They would have been willing to do it. Or at least sat through movie makeup level tattoos. Tattooing right, yeah. at least like once every couple weeks. All right. Um, so it is January 5th, which means that yesterday was January 4th, which means that uh, not only was it Dynamite because it was Wednesday, it was also Wrestle Kingdom uh, because every January 4th is a Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, it was one that... Uh, in in an alternate reality, we were going to be at this mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom, um, uh, you know, in a in a in a world without COVID. Uh, yeah, we would, we had we had grand plans to be in Tokyo for my fortieth birthday. Yes, we did. Thanks, world COVID. without COVID in a new house, we would have been there. Yeah, but uh, alas, we were not. But uh, they did have a Wrestle Kingdom as they do every year, and this year. Saw the return of uh, cheering crowds. Uh, the, the, they were no longer just confined to clap crowds and screaming quietly, quietly in their hearts. hearts. <laughs> um, and uh, I watched the show. I think I made the mistake of, you know, I watched the show yesterday morning mm-hmm. and afternoon when I was, I think I was still a little, still, I was kind of down, you know, you like, I, like I said. And so I might not have given this show a fair shake because... I didn't like it very much. I thought it was a pretty mediocre show until the last match, or the next to last match. But I'm seeing raves really? for this show, yeah. So you think maybe it's just your attitude, maybe kind of... I also would say that if they want people to rave about a show, like, have it be in HD. It it's wasn't in HD. so grainy, you couldn't even see anything. It was... Yes, um, I sent this text to Megan yesterday, uh, and I will reiterate it here. Uh, Wrestle uh, uh, New Japan World, I believe, started in 2014, and 
it's been nine years because I think they started with the Wrestle Kingdom that year. I think that was the big launch event. So it's been nine years, and to watch this show yesterday, I still had to launch a web browser on my iPad, screen mirror it to the Apple TV in this room that is connected by HDMI to the television. And let me tell you, it looked like shit. Yes, it did. <sighs> and what a rigmarole when, like, shouldn't there just be an app? You know? At this point, fact, shouldn't there just be an app? Earlier, last or like last week, I watched the big Noah show from the Wrestle Kingdom app, which is an iOS app that I just airplayed to my Apple TV, and it looked great. Yeah, I did. It looked a lot better. Yeah. I liked that one. I, I watched um, about half of that show. Yeah. And I just, you know, this this is an app that's, that, or that Wrestle King, or uh, shit, what's it called? Wrestle Universe is the name of the app. And it's only been around for like a year or so. And, and it worked great. And, and Noah is a decidedly smaller wrestling company than New Japan. Anyway, I watched Wrestle Kingdom. Um, <laughs> the uh, the notable matches for our purposes were uh, the IWGP Women's Championship match where Kyrie, the former Kyrie Sane of WWE, defeated Tam Nakado by pinfall to retain her title. And then afterwards, uh, the former Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet. Mo- so you would think that you would pronounce it Mercedes Monet. Okay. Like the artist. Sure. But apparently the pronunciation they're going with is Mercedes Monet. Oh, because she's. Yeah. Because she makes that like... money. Yeah. So anyway, she comes out. Uh, her hair is all crazy and looks great. And she hits Kyrie with a move that she messes up. And then she cuts a promo in English that nobody understood. So it was kind of a rocky start for, for old Mercedes there. But uh, the, the gist of it is next month in California, they're going to have a New Japan event and uh, Mercedes will challenge Kyrie for the title on that show. So she went all the way to Tokyo mm-hmm. just to do one move and an English promo. That's correct. Yes. Huh. Yeah. I thought she was gonna have a match match. No, she did not have a match match. She didn't even really have an well, I guess she had an angle, but it was a kind of a light angle. Yeah. It wasn't like a ninety degree angle. No. Her hair looked cool. Yeah, her hair certainly looked cool. Her hair looked cool. She got to reunite with her best friends, the uh, the FTR. Um Bailey was was there uh lending moral support, as was uh Trinity. So she had her her pals there. So she basically got to have your birthday trip. Yes. So, Mercedes, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, hope you had fun. She got, to, she, got, she got to get paid a lot to have my birthday trip. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. She probably got to fly business class. You wouldn't have. Okay. So, <laughs> Megan, I don't want to, I'm not trying to step all over your dynamite report, but I think it has to be addressed since we're talking about it. Mercedes is not the the mystery partner because it's not a mystery partner. We just now know that Soraya is teaming with Tony Storm next week. 
Or do we? Yeah, unless something weird happens. That Tony's, like, that silhouette certainly did not look like Tony Storm's hair. Well, that silhouette didn't necessarily mean anything. Hmm. That's just, is that their generic lady silhouette? It had, like, a big bump out of the one side. When I saw it, I was like, oh, no, it's Thunder Rosa. (laughs) Oh, actually, I could, yeah, I could have seen that. Because it, you know, if she had the top pony or whatever. I I mean, we'll get to it, I guess, but the that whole segment was weird, and I feel like the way Tony and Sheeta reacted was too weird for it just to just be casual, like, okay, everybody's this is gonna go fine, you know, like yeah, well, I mean, obviously it's not gonna go fine because Sheeta's mad now, but i I think that you know i mean if if it starts out as a match with those with Tony and Soraya, then. I just I don't really see a place for Mercedes to fit in there. I think she's gonna drop Tony and pair with Mercedes and then kind of go a little heelish. But you can't go full heel because you're going up against heels. Did you did either of you catch in the previous segment the sit down with uh, the pillar and the killer uh, where Britt referred to herself as the boss and winked at the camera. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that's one thing. That's that is a that is a point in the favor of Mercedes coming in. Uh-huh. A point against it is this morning on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer said Mercedes is not coming in. She does not want to commit to a long term contract. Way to sugarcoat it, Uncle Dave. Gosh. Uh, so either he's being massively worked or is working us. I'm joking. He won't oh, yeah. do that. <laughs> or she just like you know, that's the thing. Like okay, because because think about it from Tony Khan's perspective. If she's if she's willing to, to work for you on a per date basis, that like and you know that at any time she can go from like from one week from your TV to like fuck back off to WWE when she gets, you know, bored of running around on the indies. Like you're probably not going to make that deal, right? I almost feel like it's he points in favor of him doing it is you won't have another CM Punk problem like scenario play out because you're not committing uh to someone who could potentially be awful. Um not that she is, but He's been burned recently, and she's a big star, and he could get that initial pop where it's all going well and then just let her be off. I mean, couldn't that's he? Per- that's terrible perception-wise, though, don't you think? Um, no, because she's... Well, think about the news that just came out of WWE today. She's not going back to Vince. Like, so, I mean, that's she's not going back to WWE. The other thing we know she's not going back to WWE is she's got a, a ton of merch on Pro Wrestling Tees right now, right? I mean, yeah, but like she could take all that down tomorrow if she wanted to. Not I guess in the mix. From Tony Khan's perspective, I just wonder like is it worth getting cuz it's going to bump your viewership with her like any show she's on. So even if it's only a couple <clears throat> and you don't put her in any major arcs, you just have her do some like some cool matches it's not like ideal but it's also you wouldn't lose out entirely honestly it feels like it's better than nothing for tony khan 
Like, he needs her or someone of her caliber to kind of boost his women's division and really build it. Even if it's only short term, it's still like it's creating buzz. It's, you know, going to attract a ton of viewers. It's going to, you know, challenge other people to like step up to that level. Like, I I would do it if I was Tony Khan, even if it was only short term. I would I not. Mean, I would let things play out for a while. I would, I would let, you know, because maybe, maybe she'll find that it's, you know, it's like diminishing returns as far as getting high dollar bookings after a few months, you know, mm. and maybe then she'd be more willing to, to make a commitment. Maybe I, I'm, I guess I'm just thinking short term, like people were expecting it. That's the buzz. And he delivered CM Punk when it was sort of a similar like but we're not but we're not some, saying it. Yeah, but, yeah, but they didn't. Okay, like Darby Allen literally went on television and talked about wanting to fight the best in the world. Like two weeks before CM Punk showed up, like they didn't they didn't come close to that with this. I think this was like a. I do think he he wanted it to be Mercedes, but I also think that they never like really directly teased it because a because legally they couldn't before January, and right. b because they. They weren't like they weren't close to a deal. They, they, he didn't feel he didn't feel confident. <sighs> Man. On the other hand, Britt Baker called herself the boss and winked at the camera. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's I guess. It? Yes, I know. But that could also just be like a hey, you thought it, it could be trolling by the same token, <laughs> you know? Like. Now I do know that. The uh, the fans inside the arena last night in Seattle were not shown those segments. So mm-hmm. I, ju- I do wonder if there was fear that there would be like intense booing when she announced that Tony Storm was the partner. Oh, so they weren't shown the Britt Baker segment? They at least weren't shown the, the Soraya segment. I don't know for sure about the Britt Baker segment, oh. but I don't think so. Okay. Interesting. Ugh. I'm really bummed, guys. I really wanted Mercedes to like come in and basically like be the star of this division for the next three years. I was really looking forward to it, and what made me even more excited is um, last Friday we watched SmackDown for the first time, and I, I couldn't yeah. tell you how many years. Um, <laughs> Probably since the first pandemic SmackDown, when we just wanted to see what they were going to do. Yeah, I think that's true, actually. Um, and like there was a Ronda Rousey versus I didn't even know the person Raquel Gonzalez and that match Raquel Rodriguez. let me tell you it was fucking awesome like it was so good it was like and comparing it to like most like there's been a a couple women's matches in AEW that I think have been really excellent but this was just like it wasn't a pay-per-view. It wasn't, you know, like it just, it was just a regular SmackDown match and it was so fast paced, like the caliber of the moves, everything was executed smoothly. Things looked real. There weren't those like weird, awkward pauses or s- slowness at all. Like I was so impressed with the match and it just like the whole time I was like, 
all right, if we can get Mercedes and then like, you know, have her kind of like build up a couple other like, you know, of the strong contenders that aren't like quite there yet, but like getting close, like we could really push this division. I would, you know, maybe we get more than one women's match, you know, a dynamite, like that'd be great. And I just, I'm, I'm really bummed now. Now, I mean, conversely, like on SmackDown, as soon as that match was over, Charlotte Flair came back and char- challenged Ronda for the title and t- and Ronda accepted it. And, you know, Charlotte did like one or two moves and then got the title. It was like, come on. What the fuck are we doing here, guys? Because if the char- if Charlotte doesn't have the title, then the she show can't cannot be go on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I mean, that was just like huge eye rolling. But like the the initial match, it was so strong and excellent. And I would just love to be able to like be that engaged and excited about all of the women's matches that were happening on dynamite and like get the rest of the audience that engaged and like, you know, build up that division so that there's more than just one, you know, one women's thing on the show. Mm -hmm. I just also like that. uh, At least Andrew and I used to watch NXT and got to see Sasha Banks from the start like the whole journey and I just think she's come so far and that match with her and Bailey in Brooklyn it was like that was the first time where it was like holy shit like look look at her she does it like she's great at it and then she only got better from there and it'd be cool to be able to like have her on a show I actually watch and yeah and see her now in her like evolved form compared to when NXT was on which is gosh the distance between that show and now is frightening do you remember uh when she first started in NXT it was like her and Charlotte were uh Summer Rae's lackeys in that BFF stable yep that's that's weird to think about yep and then like when Summer Rae went up to the main roster they would just like carry around a summer ray head on a stick for like one or two cycles of tapings yep yeah (laughs) it was classic nxt man i loved the wackiness and the let's just try it of it all (laughs) like i I missed that on some level but you know what are you gonna do you can't get the magic back that era of uh that era of uh nxt was very fun um let's see otherwise on uh wrestle kingdom in the very next match we had bishamon which is the team of hiroki goto and yoshihashi the ftr for the iwgp world tag team championships which uh as austin and colton gunn alluded to on dynamite uh meant that they had no tag team titles left they went from three to zero in like uh, what like a three week time frame or so or something like that. That's a rough ride for FTR. It is, yeah. Um, let's see. Is there anything else before? No, okay. So that just leaves, uh, yeah, the semi-main event. Uh, Kenny Omega uh, defeated Will Ospreay for the uh, IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. These two went uh, 34 minutes and 38 seconds. And it was one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. Oh, and he could have been live for it. Eh. <laughs> he probably saw it at a better angle than he was That's live. True. I saw it in, 
but I would have at least seen it in uh, high definition live and not not lower than standard <laughs> definition. But anyway, no, this match was incredible. Um, highly recommend. Uh, and yeah, Kenny gets the big win over Will Osprey, and Osprey in the in the interview afterwards uh, said that it is now his quest. If he can't beat Kenny Omega in the next year, he's going to leave New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, wow. Please come to AEW so I can see you every week. Yeah. I mean, I know that will not happen, but I would love it. Was that a little breadcrumb, though? Like, maybe? Is there a world where that happens? It was a pretty incredible match. Um, And then uh, today, this morning, on New Year's Dash, which is the annual, like, uh, post, basically, like, uh, it's New Japan's version of the Raw after WrestleMania. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in the main event, and uh, New Year's Dash is often a um, mystery card. You don't know what you're going to get until you get to the building and you're watching it. Um, because, you know, Wrestle Kingdom is the end of everything, so nothing's really set up. But So the main event of the, uh, of the show was a tag team match between, excuse me, uh, where is it? Oh shit! I can't remember who the opponents were. What does it matter? It was two. It was two guys. Uh, <laughs> but their opponents were Kenny Omega and uh, Kazuchika Okada, who were uh, teaming up for maybe the first time ever. So that's interesting. That sounds fun. Yeah, I haven't seen that show yet. I might go back and watch that, but. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so that was the big news out of the Tokyo Dome. Um, I don't know if Kenny was conducting business there as well, but you have to assume he was doing something because you know TK can't go to Japan. <laughs> uh, still don't, still don't understand how in 2023 now he can't he can't somehow work around that can't resolve whatever the you know the feelings are, but. All right, let us talk about AEW Rampage. This is Rampage, baby. I keep thinking, I keep thinking, Megan, that maybe, maybe we need to start just doing like a Rampage show on Saturday mornings, like just like a thirty-minute Rampage recap. I feel like I'd be, I'd have more juice talking about it. Like, <laughs> Right after more. watching it, <laughs> then like almost a week later. That's fair because it really is. Yeah, like tomorrow is the next rampage as yeah. we record. You know what I mean? Like I just, I almost feel like it would be worth the extra effort just to like. I, I think it would. I think we would have more fun talking about the show, and I think it would make this show better because we wouldn't have to talk about it on this show. That's fair. I'd have to watch Rampage then. You don't have to be on that show if you don't want to be on that show. I mean, Saturday morning mimosas. Why would I not be on that show? Mm, I guess it's true. Megan, isn't that what you heard? In a sense, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I there's something to think about. Uh, I feel like yeah, I'll, I'll think about that. I'm. Yeah, I could. I think I could swing that. And then yeah. I wouldn't have to feel bad like trying to remember Rampage as you go through it. Yeah, and we could even do it like we could do like okay. We have a hard out. This is a 30-minute show, max. 
We're not gonna do. We're not gonna do plug of the week. We're not gonna do pop of the week. We're gonna what? All right, we're not gonna do plug of the week. We're we're gonna get in. We're gonna talk about the rampage show that we all just watched, and then we're gonna we're gonna get out of there. And like we'll leave all all the, all the banter and all this stuff is is for for the for the main show. But don't you think that's what the the audience wants? The banter. Okay, they can have a little banter, but you know, <laughs> I just. I don't want to talk about Rampage six days after I watched it, you know? Okay. I guess that's what I'm saying. No, that's fair. Um, because, yeah, it's it's quite old at this point, And we're ju- we've just got another one on the docket in yeah, a day exactly. or two. Do you to want watch. to skip it? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I got my... We'll I, I, just run through it real quick, which is all we ever do. So it would actually probably make the Rampage recaps better, too. It's true. I do think this Rampage was worthwhile. I'll say that. Okay, we'll see if I agree with that as we go through it. All right, uh, we were in Denver, Colorado, and we opened. Uh, we had a weird uh, set of hosts this week. It was uh, it was Excalibur, Tony, and uh, Paul White. Yeah, I was wondering what happened that um, Mr. White stepped in to commentary this week. I don't know because we had no Jericho and we had no Jim Ross. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what's up. Oh, yes, I do. Tony Khan gave Jim Ross the week off because he was going to watch um, Oklahoma play in some bowl game. Oh, okay. I just remember that. Okay. All right. Um, We opened with an all-Atlantic title match, Orange Cassidy versus Trent Beretta. And I, I, I admit, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. this When I said worthwhile, I was mainly thinking of this match because I thought it was comedically very fun wrestling wise they still did the moves um you know there was storytelling with the relationships and i was just delighted it it opened the show because i was like oh we're not even waiting we're getting right to it okay yeah well you know rampage often like the real main event does open the show because they know that people aren't going to be around by the end of the show (laughs) oh but this week battle of the belts right after so you gotta stick around uh, we'll talk about that. I'm actually excited about one of the matches on Battle of the Belt. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, yeah. So they, this was all just kind of like it was fun. Like like they started out just trying to do like you know friendly wrestling, and then Trent was getting out wrestled and he got frustrated, so he, he kicked Orange, and then he felt bad about it, but it was too late. Like the the seal had been broken, so mm-hmm. <laughs> so then they just like really started scrapping, and uh, yeah, it was good. It was good times. And Danhausen and, uh, and um, Chuck were on the outside, and at different times did different, like kind of different wacky things to help, like their guy. Um, Danhausen like put the boots to one of them at one point, and then and then Chuck had to be like, no. <laughs> I think it was Trent because I feel like Danhausen was their rep in Orange, yeah. and Chuck was their rep in Trent because one time Trent went to the outside and Chuck caught him, and then they took a moment, and then they went in for the hug, and it was very fun. Yes. Um, okay, so anyway, Penelope Ford distracted Trent, and uh, Orange uh, hit him with the orange punch and pinned him. Mm-hmm. This is finally, finally leading to Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian at Battle of the Belts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, da 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 we we do a, do a cool segment with uh, Tony and Darby Allen and Sting, and Sting 
yelled at Darby <laughs> that mm-hmm. he needed to, you know, stop talking about it and do it, which is, you know, win the TNT title in Seattle. Dad, tough love. Goth dad, tough love. It was pretty cool. Um, Kip Sabian squashed a guy using Orange Cassidy's moves and mannerisms. And elbow pad. And elbow pad. Um, Preston Vance was very mean to Lexi Nair. I don't don't know if it's just me, but I kind of liked Preston Vance after this segment. I thought (laughs) he had a line. He had a line where he said something like, if he knew that he could get the spotlight by betraying a 10 year old kid, he would have done that shit three years ago. That's where I turned. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, what's his name now? It's Pero, Pero Pellegriso or Pelo. Something like it's Pero something. Pero, like it means like the bad dog or the mad dog or. Yeah. Something like that. The dirty dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, so. It's, it is funny, I've seen a couple people make the joke that he waited until he took his mask off to get a Lucha name. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, man looks good, you know? Yeah, I understand now why maybe Anna dated him for a little while. Yeah. Before I was confused. <laughs> well, you never saw his face before. Right. Uh, John Moxley... Does a promo and uh, just, you know, busts on Hangman Page. As he does. See, okay, so this is this is another problem of doing the Rampage recaps this way. I have already seen the follow-ups to the angles that I'm describing. Yeah, and you, you lose the, the fire and the passion of talking. Yeah, because it's like... I wonder. I, I don't wonder what's going to happen next. He's like, I just saw it. I, I know what's happening next. It's true. Anyway, I'm we're talking saying. production on this episode, people. But it sounds like you're going to be getting a second show every week. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I talk a big game now. <laughs> uh, and then that brings us to uh, TBS title match: Jade Cargill versus Kira Hogan. Um. Are you surprised if I Not tell at you all. That Jade Cargill <laughs> retains the title? The I'm re- so bored. Red Vel- like the Red Velvet thing is like semi-interesting. I don't know why Jade keeps associating with her when she's clearly like, you know, completely, you know, flown the t- the hen house. But uh, yeah, it doesn't make Jade look particularly smart or savvy. But no. also, why is Red Velvet sticking around? It's it it's like, does Jade have something hanging over your head? Like, did you sign a contract with her? Why don't you just leave? You can just go away from her. She knows she's not going to get any TV time if she goes away from Jade. Well, yeah, okay. Which is probably <laughs> the real reason. <laughs> But in character, why don't you just leave? Yeah, no fair. And our main event, Wheeler Yuta, takes on Swerve Strickland. Uh, Ring of Honor, a pure title, not on the line here. So, so if that wasn't enough of a flashing neon sign, that means Swerve Strickland gets the win. Uh, yeah. This is a good match, though. These two worked well together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, Swerve got a nice kick to the nuts in on Wheeler before the finish. Mm-hmm. The rest back turned and 
and got the victory to to set him up for uh, a big return to Seattle on Wednesday. Yeah. Was Swerve also from Seattle? He's from, you know, he's another one of those Pacific Northwest guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that right. Rampage was worth watching. It was fine, yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, that takes us to Dynamite, Megan. Yes, and from Colorado, we go to Seattle to the Climate Pledge Arena. Um, before we get into the deets of the show, I have to say Dynamite has a new look. Red and blue lasers. What do we think? 80s. Yes. Also, I thought... Raw and SmackDown. Yes. I was like, what? why? Of all the two colors you could pick. Um, Democrats and Republicans. I miss the the wide array of colors that were on the previous format. Could you have done the lasers but used more colors? Kept kept the kept the dust the the bursts of uh, dust. It always made me think of like um like the oh gosh I'm I'm not gonna remember the name of the celebration that has the color um like the color runs. Well, yeah, yeah, but there's like a um a Hindu holiday I believe. Oh yeah, is it Diwali? Is it Diwali or is it is another one that has the all the color? I, I can't I can't I remember. can't I'm remember sorry, listeners. I know Diwali was like came up because we used to work with um Indian contractors at my old job. Um H O L I. H O L I Holly. I yeah. the eternal and divine love of Radha Krishna. I don't know. That's what came up when I Googled Hindu color festival. That seems like what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Yes. Uh but yeah, the I I was underwhelmed by the redesign that Tony Khan talked up. I am okay. Guys, I I should just set my expectations lower because I'm always underwhelmed by anything that Tony Khan like has a big announcement or is going to some big change or some big signing. Like I'm always underwhelmed. I need to like reset my expectations with these things, but we couldn't get fucking new barricades. The one thing I've been asking for, for three goddamn years, it would have made such a difference. And I will tell you all. So we watched, like I mentioned earlier, we watched SmackDown for the first time in years and years for a big match. John. Yeah. Cause we want to see John Cena, but, um, Man, does that look so much nicer than AEW. And honestly, I think it's, like, the crisp, clean, nice, big barricades. And, like, they've got, like, a little LED around, well, one on the barricades, which I don't think you need. Um, And it actually, like, broke a few times and it was, like, flashing. It was kind of annoying. Well, yeah, because guys are slamming up into it, right? Yeah. But they also have one, instead of a curtain um, around the bottom of the ring... They've got like a board that has an LED and it looks so much nicer than the curtain. So like, I'm not saying they needed to get LED barricades and like curtains for, for the boards, for the bottom of the apron, but like just nice, solid, colorful, like something interesting other than that stupid black and gold yellow. Like they didn't even change the stupid, like, cheap curtains that are on the things to even match the new color scheme. Like how lazy are you? I will say I didn't fully notice the change until they went to the first commercial and, you know, on fight 
I see like the screen that just has their logo and normally it has the color splotches and you know the old look and I noticed when they went to that I was like oh that's different oh I should probably look at the set and then I looked and really registered because like what you're seeing most of the time is the ring and like you said the ring and the bear barriers look exactly the same so I was like oh yeah change I just want it to look more interesting I want to like I want it to be more exciting and it's not they also on Smackdown they also like um light the crowd in blue which Mm -hmm. not saying they need the blue but it like looked really interesting to have like the different colors lit in the back it was just like made it a little bit more of a layered experience. I'm not saying it was, like, Avatar layered, but, like, it was, you know. Oh. Yeah, my sister's taking me to the movies tomorrow for my uh, for my birthday. And I was so tempted to just go see Avatar again. You should have. <laughs> well, it's it's so long, you know, like, and, and we have plans, like, before and after movie time. So instead, I'm going to see M3 Gan, uh, the killer doll movie named after our co-host, Megan. My nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, at some point, they're going to make enough horror movies uh, that have your name in it that we can just do, like, a whole marathon of, like, of Megan-themed horror movies. Because they are making a The Meg 2. Great. Great. <laughs> they didn't kill The Meg in The Meg 1? No, they killed The Meg, but there's a bigger Meg now. Of course. There's always Which a bigger Meg. I think is exactly what happened in Jaws, in the Jaws series. Well, yeah, if you want to make another one, you got to have another killer creature. Yeah. Oh, goody. All that to say, redesign, kind of a dud. Agreed. Yeah. Guys, I saw uh, there's a sweet uh, The Killer and the Pillar uh, t-shirt on Shop AEW that I kind of want. Well, there was a discount running until Monday, I believe. We're on a spending freeze until March. Oh, well, it's definitely not until March. (laughs) (laughs) Discount only. They'll probably do one for Revolution. Yeah, that's true. They always do tend to to do those things. We went a little too crazy in the winter. Same. I feel ya. All right. Well, on to the show then. Seattle is hyped as hell for this show. Goodness, this was a hot crowd. They have been deprived of AEW. Yeah. I almost texted you and told you just, like, you know, get ready for one of the hottest crowds ever. But I didn't want to because then I thought, like, you would be disappointed. But I don't think there's any way you could have been disappointed by this crowd. You wouldn't have Tony Condor there. Yeah. No, they they were here. And initially I was like, okay, they're just super excited to get started because it's the opening match. The opening match with Chris Jericho, you know, Big Star, and Ricky Starks. And their whole thing is pretty fun. So I was like, okay, yeah, an opening match. They're into it. The match was fun. It was really good. Um, but they like they kept going. They sustained. Yeah. And yeah. I think it was it was smart, like the way that Tony Khan structured the show, where you had Pacific Northwest people kind of just like sprinkled all throughout. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even if there had been like the danger of the crowd like dipping or burning out, another one of them was like coming up, you know, pretty soon. Yeah. He's really good about playing to the regions um, and, and not punishing the people who are from there, <laughs> rather celebrating them. Yeah, matches. totally. I, I, think it's, I think that's like a super underrated aspect of 
the success of AEW television, like, making it not feel like such a slog to, to the, especially to like the local fans. Yeah, it's well behaved. Yeah. Something that they, I feel like if you're a fan and you know somebody, a wrestler is from your town and they're going to be on the show, unlike with WWE, you don't have to think like, are they going to get punished tonight for existing or are we just going <laughs> to get the feel good story we want where all our Pacific Northwesterners do well? Well, Thanks. and it sounds like they keep it even more, like Tony keeps it even more interesting during the non-televised shows too, or the YouTube shows, because when Lucas and Amanda were talking to us about the Toronto show, they talked about like the elevation and the dark uh, matches, having a lot of local talent and like the crowd really getting behind them and having some great like local matches that the the um, the crowd could really get into and cheer for. So it sounds like they're trying to make it. He makes a conscious effort for that. Which also kudos to him for giving the local talent a chance to be on. Uh, granted, it's their YouTube show, but like be on a big production. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Ricky or Jericho were hometown heroes, but um, people were very pro Ricky, very anti Jericho. Every heel thing Jericho did, they were loudly booing him um, and cheering Ricky the whole time. So, unfortunately, uh, Angelo Parker and Matt Menard were out there with Jericho, and Parker distracted Aubrey, and Matt Menard was able to hit Ricky in the face with Jericho's bat when Jericho had him in the walls of Jericho. And, um, surprisingly, he didn't lose. He went unconscious. Aubrey checked him. I think after, like, two of the, you know, the hand things, he, he like, fought back. Um, so he, he made his comeback, and then he eventually got to the point where he was able to spear Jericho and get the win. And people were freaking out. They loved it. So, good for Ricky. Um, after that, of course, the JAS, the rest of them, run out, beat Ricky up because they can't leave well enough alone um action andretti ran out at one point he had a huge burn on his his eye um, yeah and he had a chair with him and he started to make the save but anna jay and ty were out there and obviously you don't hit a lady so they were able to distract him kick him in the balls and then um, the JS. No, crew. that was like an oh. undercut in the balls. And I feel <laughs> like Ty had to have felt his peen a little bit. And I wouldn't have signed up for that. I mean, she knows what a peen feels like. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Besides, if you do it right, you're supposed to hit the thigh. Um, so, oh. yeah, they they take him Good out. Point, Megan. <laughs> they take poor Action Andretti out, and uh, that that lets JS get the run of the place. Um, Jake Hager, with the hat he loves, has a moment where um, he puts Ricky through a table on the outside, but not before doing a mocking version of his pose with the the hand to the head. And it was um, he lost his hat. I mean, Ricky took it with him when he went overboard, but I'm sure he got it back. Aubrey Edwards, that worst. The third most over person on the show to, uh, last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jericho pushed her, and the crowd was like, boo! <laughs> they were very Someone mad. else pushed her later when we get to that part of the match. Um, yeah. I think it was 
Jarrett. And I think by pushed, he stepped in front of her and like put his crotch far too close to her face. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) We'll get there. Um, But yeah, that was a a killer opener. What do you think of the Jericho losing streak? Um, I like it, but that might be my personal bias. I'm proud of him. That's what I said. Yeah, it's like his ego aside. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have expected it to happen, but I think it's powerful that he's doing it because he has the he has enough clout to do it and not be hurt by that, you know. And yeah. it's nice to nice that he can put other guys over as they're coming up. So good for Great. him in doing that. I do think he's going to probably get some sort of victory at some point, right? I mean, one would assume, yeah. Yeah. If only, like, in a tag team kind of setting or something. But, uh, yeah. I heard Action Andretti uh, did his indie bookings last weekend with an eye patch. So, mm. good for him for, <laughs> you know, keeping kayfabe alive. Hell, yeah. I was one. I was, like, I assumed that the red around his eye was makeup because the, it looked like... But scald. That fireball really got close to his face. It did. But remember when Don Callis had the uh the like horror movie makeup for I forget his specific injury, but I think it was to the face. He claimed that the young buck super kicked him. Oh yeah, and his eye was just bruised, quote unquote. <sighs> that was a while ago. Anyway. Hope Action Andretti is legit okay. I'm pretty sure that was makeup. Mm-hmm. After that match, uh, we hear from Adam Page out in the ring. Tony Schiavone introduces him and immediately asks him about his condition as far as being able to wrestle. Adam lets everyone know that as of today, he hasn't been medically cleared to compete, so there won't be a match for him on the show tonight. Uh, he says every time he fights Moxley, Uh, It sets him back about a week. So as long as he stays healthy and doesn't do anything stupid between now and next week, he will be cleared to fight Moxley on next week's Dynamite. How the hell does that work? So Um, he's not still hurt and they are just doing it. He's not cleared, (laughs) but he knows that like he knows if he goes and gets one more scan, the doctor will then say, okay, now you're clear. Yeah, I don't know. He's that didn't check out for me. <laughs> He's really confident. I guess, yeah. I mean, confident enough that like they had a match graphic later in the show. So, yeah, yeah. He he knows. I don't know. He knows his own <laughs> body. <laughs> um, he yeah. But after saying that, I mean, I, the crowd was like, "Oh, we want to see a match," but also like, "Yay, you're coming back." Um, he. Closes out by calling Moxley out, saying uh, he he basically declares that he will, quote, knock his dick in the dirt, which is the weirdest expression I've ever heard. I don't know how that works. I think you have to get consent for that. And I think also you should probably ask Renee if that's okay too. Yeah. I, uh. It's from The Breakfast Club, apparently. Okay. I mean, I've seen that movie. I don't remember that specific line, but good lord. Yeah. Um, of course, though, saying this, Moxley has to. Come I liked out to the it. Ring. I thought it was very like it sounded like very cowboy appropriate for them to say. 
it did just functionally. I'm like, where is the dick when it's hitting the dirt? Do you knock him down first? I, it, well, yeah, and, you, you 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 knock him down, and then in the course of being knocked down, his dick will hit the dirt because you know. Okay. Yes, yeah, you. Falling. You make sure to knock him down on this, uh, this front side. Yeah, I think I guess yeah. So he'd have to hit the buckshot like to the back of the head. Okay. Okay. Well, Moxley's here to unless Moxley's got like some like fucking anaconda situation going on down there where like he could like lay on his back and it could still like you know like loop over and touch the ground. Well, that's he only would... Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He would have to be wearing the shortest shirt shorts for that to feel like feel like you'd contain or have the it, right? Stick. <laughs> it's true. Um, I guess we'll find out next week. I I don't want to find anything out about <laughs> Moxley's peen next week. <laughs> I'm curious for the update. <laughs> <laughs> so Moxley's like, he comes out and he says he's really sick of how everyone is taking something really awesome he did, which is to say knocking the shit out of Adam Page and turning it into some sad thing about hangman page um <laughs> the and this is unrelated but the mic cuts out somewhere in this this monologue um twice like they give him a new mic and it cuts out as well on accident and uh, moxley does not hesitate to say fuck a couple times thinking <laughs> that nobody can hear him but i don't know about you guys i could clearly hear what he was saying yeah and they bleeped it, but, like, after it finished the CK, it was like, fuck, and then there was a bleep, and it's like, you didn't get it, guys. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> Somebody's asleep. At, uh, yeah, they did not okay. bleep it. Okay, so you you got the whole thing, okay. Yeah, he just, yeah. Apparently uh, in the arena, they couldn't hear Hangman very much either. But they didn't care as much? Well, or, like, like they just didn't address it until afterwards. Yeah. It's weird, because on the app... I heard both of them fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, good. we heard yeah. them fine too. But I think they have like mics under the ring too that are probably picking up some stuff that. Well, I just think like it must have been like so the, the microphone must have been working, but it, we, it was only getting through to the television feed, not to the not mm. to the arena mm. public address system. Yeah, that must have been it because I I definitely heard both of them, and then I was really confused why the crowd was shouting or chanting "We can't hear you." I thought that was some sort of weird taunt because I'm like, well, what? But when they <laughs> changed up the microphones, and you could hear a distinct difference when Moxley started talking into the new one, and then it cut out again, and then they fixed it again, and then you could like you could hear that there definitely was a difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, what he handled it so cool. He didn't get frustrated or curse at all. He did say "Go Seahawks" to get them back on his side. Yeah, I thought was like I was like John, don't pander. Like I was thinking, that's the most laziest. It's it's kind of like he was just like, all right, I know I did the wrestle math. I know that this formula will say will get us back on track, and so I will half-assedly say it and then not address it again because I'm not from here. Uh, which whatever, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, but the the whole mic thing was unrelated. It wasn't on purpose or anything. Uh, it, it just struck me as hilarious that he continues to say fuck on television. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Jenny. Oh, I, well, no, you're going to continue with what you're talking about. I had a question about his comments to okay. both of you. Okay. Um. So once the mic situation got sorted out and Moxley got to move forward in his promo that um, 
you know, I think we heard the same lines a couple different times as he was trying to to get back on and the microphone wasn't working. Um, but he finally got to a point where he said no one has gotten knocked down more times than him in the wrestling industry. So he doesn't really respect Adam for coming out here and trying to play the victim with, you know, all this stuff. And Adam takes the mic and he clarifies that it's he's not mad because Moxley knocked him out because that's just business. It happens. He's mad that after it, Moxley called him out, and instead of getting Adam a chance to respond, he just was, like, cracking jokes and making light of, you know, a serious situation. And ever since then, he's wanted revenge, and he plans to take it next week when he's, you know, I <laughs> I say this jokingly, uh, hopefully cleared um, <laughs> and is allowed to wrestle. And Moxley says, all right, well, you're going to get a beating next week, and uh, that this time you won't be getting back up. So, I have a question for you both. Considering the timing of this promo and talking about how he did something glorious, which was, like, concussing Adam Page and physically injuring him and then mocking him later, which is what Adam's mad about, how do you all feel about... um, you know, Moxley, I think, was at the Bengals game for DeMar, DeMar Hamlin and um, who, you know, was hit and then had cardiac arrest on the field and has been in the ICU. Um, I actually just read that he um, is awake now um, as of yeah. like a couple hours ago. So I've been thinking and like sending out good thoughts. So I'm glad he's doing well. It was pretty scary to see. But I just felt like this was a little... I don't know. There's just, I don't think you should make so light of a serious injury, especially like a head injury. Um, And, you know, we know so much about concussions and long-term effects and serious things that have happened to other wrestlers that have got, I I know they're just trying to do a storyline and be fun and stuff, but I just keep, it's not hitting well with me. I don't know. It's not sitting well with me. Um, I think that's fair. I mean, obviously your feelings, feelings are not right or wrong. They're just feelings. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's fair. Uh, I didn't really have a problem with it mostly because this is the same drunk. Like I love Moxley, but this is what his character does. It's, it's almost like we've heard this from him a lot of times. It's kind of just what he does is, you know, violence, whatever. And I hurt you. That's good. I fully believe that John good, you know, non-wrestler <laughs> wrestling persona probably would not celebrate hurting another person because it sounds like he's been, you know, a leader. And I remember Sean Spears telling the story of when he cracked Cody's skull open with a chair. Moxley right away came up to him in the back and was like, no, dude, you you did it wrong. You have to like make sh-. like he was telling him functionally how to do a chair shot without actually hurting someone. So I don't think he's like legit out for violence. Um, I can see why the proximity of it got to you um but i don't know i guess i just maybe i'm desensitized i didn't really have a problem with that part of it never occurred to me until this moment okay all right so i was the only one who kind of and i've been thinking a lot about tomorrow tomorrow hamlin this week you know because that was a that was a tough thing to say it was yeah yeah i mean it was it was jarring and I really hope the NFL is going to take a good hard look at its practices and its chest 
protection gear and every I, I don't know. It's it's just it's jarring. That I mean, I think the NFL has a lot of stuff they should improve on, but I feel like that injury was like I heard that it just he got hit at just the exact right. split second moment where it was perfect rhythmically with his heart to fuck it up. I don't that doesn't seem statistically like something that I mean, obviously it hasn't happened a lot, if ever before, but like, yeah, it's horrifying. I'm really glad he's awake. Um, I heard he's still in critical condition, still recovering, yes. but I think he's still on a ventilator and stuff. Like... He's on a ventilator, but apparently he has been able to write notes. That's what I read. Yeah. And like like brain wise, like he's not functionally he's he's okay. Like he didn't. That's what lose it function. seems like so far that they yeah. think brain functionality seems good so yeah i just hope he makes a full recovery and god that was scary so i don't know i just it it, that's been on my mind a lot this week and i had a little i've been having a little bit of trouble with this promo since they started it like you know last few weeks um but this week i had a lot of trouble with it i think just because of the other situation happening so i think it's helpful that adam page clearly is okay with it like, he, he, I believe that if it actually were a big problem, he would have told Tony Khan, like, this is not territory we, I want to tread on. And probably everyone would have agreed to not. Um, I'm assuming in this company, but it seems like he's on board. And, you know, again, that's kind of Moxley's just default message is violence good. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really connect the dots. But hey. You're allowed to feel the way you feel. And uh, a hard attack on the field is very scary, and I can see how it translates to other things. <sighs> but yeah, um, to move on to something a little lighter, <laughs> the next thing we get is a video package. and It's Samoa Joe talking about his match with Darby. That's the main event. He keeps referring to him as the little dead boy. <laughs> He's annoyed that he came for him. Andrade used to refer to him as... Just a little boy that he wanted yeah. to purchase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> little boy. <laughs> like specifically Sting's little boy. Sting's little boy. I just always find it really fun. I don't I know why. To, I want to buy your little boy. I know that's also problematic, but I always no, found not. that one found. It's great. <laughs> he didn't want to buy him for like trafficking. <laughs> he wanted to employ him. Uh, I don't know what weird shit Andrade was getting up to. It was funny though. Uh, yeah, Samoa Joe is just like that little dead boy. He really <laughs> bothered me when he came after me once when I beat Wardlow. Um, so because of this insolence tonight, he has to pay. It was very. It, he made an analogy or like made a story about like a prince, and I, I didn't write down all the details, but it was theatrical, and I th- I think Samoa Joe's fun. I think he's he's a good king of television. So we're gonna get that match later in the evening. Um, after that, we get a match with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett taking on the acclaimed. As usual, Max Caster has a rap with some very, uh, you know, relevant digs at people. Um, I think it's always fun. The crowd, of course, loved it. They are just here for it, here for everything. Uh, Anthony Bowens is the one who gets the win on this one. But there are some shenanigans before that win. The well, ultimate- we, I just oh. want to say, like... I think it was uh, it was Wei Ting of Post Wrestling today who said that the acclaimed raps are 
the way he keeps up with pop culture now and news. Um, and we got like a very, you know, a timely reference to Andrew Tate mm-hmm. and his, uh, his arrest. And, uh, I think there was some, there was another thing too. It was, uh, I can't remember now, but anyway, like the Andrew Tate thing was the one that, uh, second, I guess the rest of it was mostly about like Dixie Carter and TNA and, uh, and, uh, yeah. Karen Garrett. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Fuck Andrew Tate, basically. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of with way like i don't really keep up with what's going on in pop culture so i also appreciate when max caster lets me know or at least gives me something i can google yeah i just ask andy whenever any part of his rap i'm like wait what's that about (laughs) (laughs) who should i be uh checking in on uh yeah so anthony bowens gets the win he pins jay lethal um but this is the second end to the match because the first end to the match happens when, um, well, first, for context, Billy Gunn is on the outside of the ring for the first part of the match. But Jay Lethal punches him and kind of goads him into coming after him. And this gets Billy Gunn thrown out. So he's no longer out there. And then Satnam Singh later tosses Max caster into some steps on the the steps on the outside and this theoretically gets him and sanjay kicked out except they're like nah we don't feel like it um because satnam singh is huge and sanjay how long his fingers are well he's a seven foot man flipping people off (laughs) it's like a forearm yeah (laughs) yeah he's huge He's got like he's got like ET fingers, and, they, and like five refs came out to try to like get him in the back. Which, man, talk about brilliant because that gave Aubrey a reason to be out there. Well, mm-hmm. and guys, we're I'm gonna let Megan get to it, but then I gotta talk about. I'm gonna let you finish. Something I'm gonna let you finish, Megan. I'm gonna let you finish, but um, okay. So yeah, Satnam Singh flips people off with his huge middle finger verse. Um, the refs run out to try and convince him it's that they need to leave. But while they're busy dealing with him, uh, Anthony Bones gets ta- or pinned by Jay Lethal, but he's close to the ropes and he puts his foot up and Sanjay Jutt pushes it away. And the ref who is in the ring doesn't see it, so he declares, you know, um, the Jay Lethal-Jeff Jarrett duo as winners, which would also give them the tag team championships. So it's and a big got- deal. We got we got like the the announcement of new champions. We got them fully celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And then Aubrey runs over and is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, no, no, no!" And she confers with the ref. She explains to him what she saw, which was the pushing the foot off the the rope. And so they determine, okay, the match has to go on. It has to continue. And Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal are pissed. The acclaimed are like, of course, the crowd goes, yes, we cannot give the tag teams titles to these dummies. And so the match starts back up. It doesn't last much longer until the final uh, outcome, which is, again, the acclaimed retaining, as they should. Anthony Bowens, it, in a point of, like, revenge, gets to pin Jay Lethal instead. So good for him. So I think my comment last week about Aubrey's actions after whatever match she refereed last week where she declared the winner and then like overacted about how like it seemed like she had actually seen the cheating or like put things together. 
but she didn't make a call. I think her overacting there was foreshadowing this event. So she redeemed herself? Yeah, she's like fed up with all this cheating and she she made it right here. And Paul Turner wasn't even out there yelling about it. Making changes. So good. Yeah, good for Aubrey. And for her trouble, again, she got Jeff Jarrett's crotch right in the face as he tried to push her away from Stefan, Stephen, Stefan Smith, I believe is the mm-hmm. other ref. And um, she was crouched down. So just a face full of junk. Ooh. And Jeff Jarrett, I was like, please stop. Please stop putting your junk in people's faces. <laughs> you know who's great in this match? Are you going to say Satnam Singh? Jeff Jarrett. Okay. Je- no, I'm serious. Like, if you watch Jeff Jarrett work, he is really smooth, and he moves really quickly for a man of his age. And he has an incredible head of hair. He does have a lot of hair. Yeah. And he's, he's like, he might be the mo- he might have been the most jacked of the four people in the match. Even over Bowens? I feel well, like I Bowens, Bowens is jacked. Bowens would be the contender, but I think, I think definitely more than Caster and uh, Lethal. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. I don't know, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with like mid fifties, Jeff Jarrett as a as a worker. Yeah, his, I guess his punches look really good too. He moves, he moves fast. Good for him. I just don't like him. Yeah, I love him. I know. <laughs> um, so this, not to wrestle explain to you guys, but it's been a while since we've seen one of these. This is technically what they call a dusty finish. The the mess up and then the... Yeah, which was like Dusty Rhodes' favorite booking thing in the 80s when he was booking uh, Jim Crockett promotions, where typically it would kind of work the other way around, where the the heel champion, Ric Flair usually, would um, like... Would something would happen, and uh, he would cheat, and a referee would get knocked out, and then Dusty would would get a pick, uh, get a pinfall victory over Ric Flair, and then like you know they, they'd celebrate, they'd announce Dusty Rhodes as the new champion, but then like another referee would come and say no, no, like Ric Flair hit the first referee, so we have to call this a disqualification, so Ric Flair retains the title via DQ, and. They did that a lot to the point, and, and apparently, like the first couple times, it like really worked, and like like the business would be up the next time when they came back. But he did it so much that it like that like like really hurt business over oh, over wow. the long term. Yeah. yeah, but this was like this was like the good version of this, where you, you get the bad thing, and then they're like, no, no, it's actually the good thing. Yeah, yeah, Seattle would have rioted. I think they mm-hmm. were they were not happy with the original yeah. outcome. And again, thank you, Tony Khan, for the feel-good moment rather than the punish moment. Yeah, this was like, this was largely a very feel-good episode of Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was um, well-behaved where good things happen to good people. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of good people, that match is followed up by Tony Schiavone sitting down with Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker talking about all the speculation around who Soraya's tag team partner is going to be for the match next week. And Britt just rolls on past that question and says, I think the bigger question is whether Soraya will ever get it with it being 
AEW as a company. Uh, Jamie and Britt say that they are both AEW originals, they're homegrown talent, and Soraya just doesn't get that and never will because, you know, she's not she's not an original. Um, Britt says that no matter who Soraya picks, she'd be making a mistake if she overlooked the two best professional wrestlers in the world that she was just standing next to last week, those people being Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm. So, the implication Britt is making, along with doing the boss thing, is that, of course, Soraya would be looking outside the company because that's how she rolls, but, you know, we'll we'll get to that part in a minute, or in a little later. After that, Jungle Boy, he's here. He says that he feels like after the events of last year, he really may not have anyone out there he can count on. Because as you know, his best friend um, and Luchasaurus and his mentor, I guess, Christian, both really screwed him over. So that hurt. Um, But then along came Hook. And Jungle Boy is talking about how Big Bill Morrissey and Lee Moriarty are... You know, pissing him off. So he says, next week, we're going to be in my hometown, L.A. Let's do this thing. And he challenges them to a tag match. And right at the end, Hook kind of pops into frame. And it's like, this is my boy. And I think Taz sort of, <laughs> at that point, like, laughed. And and one of the, maybe it was Excalibur, was like, what do you think, Taz? And he's just like, that's Hook. <laughs> and they moved on. So what a fun team. Jungle Hook. Going to be awesome. I'm excited. I think it'll be it's so cute. Jenny wondered what he uh, why he has a backpack, and I think it's to carry all of his chips. Yeah, I feel like he's always had a backpack. Yeah. Whenever whenever he's wandering around backstage with his hoodie and his backpack. All he's right. like a he's like a little hip hop kid wandering around at Scribble Jam in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cute. So. <laughs> The next match is one of the the loudest of the evening because it's Tony Nese, who is already in the ring, going up against Seattle's favorite boy, Brian Danielson. And between the crowd's enthusiasm for Brian Danielson and uh, Brian Danielson being Brian Danielson, Tony Nese never had a chance in hell. Um, it was a short match. It wasn't a squash, but it was a short match. And Danielson um, put him in the label lock. And Tony Nese just passed out. So he didn't tap, but he he passed out. And the crowd was so excited. It was a very short match because they had to make time for an incredibly long promo segment. Mm-hmm. What, I, I, would, I, didn't, I didn't time it or anything, but I would have to assume this is one of the longest they've ever done. Yeah, and I just figured, okay, so it's Brian Danielson in Seattle. I guess you give him the time he needs or wants i don't know you know how that what his thoughts were but it seemed like he got to run wild so the crowd was not upset about it they didn't get bored they definitely were there edge of their seats the whole time um but what happened was after the match danielson got on the mic and the crowd he's like it's good to be home they're like yes we love you and then he says you know i'm I'm ready for another fight let's go mjf and he he calls him out MJF's music hits, uh, and MJF walks out in a suit, clearly not planning to have any sort of fight today. 
Um, he says he doesn't care about Seattle or putting his body on the line to entertain them. That's what makes him a special attraction. Uh, then after that, the two of them trade mom jokes. A lot of crude, low-hanging fruit there. Crowd loves it. I was like, eh, okay. And then Brian finally gets tired of talking, and he starts to get out of the ring and says, well, if you don't want to fight, that's okay, but I'm going to fight. And MJF kind of runs back to the stage, and he says, you know, there are rankings for a reason, and if you want to be the number one contender and have a shot at the title, that's fine, but you have to earn that spot. He says he talked to Tony Khan and found out that if Brian has a match and wins it every week, from now until February 8th, he will be the number one contender. And the mathematical part of me said, what about what happens with all the other contenders? Do they just lose and Brian moves up the list? But then I remembered rankings don't mean shit. Um, so MJF says if Danielson can do that, he will give him a match at Revolution. And Brian's like, no. I'm just going to wrestle when I feel like it, and I'm going to be the number one contender, and then I'm going to fight you. And MJF's like, are you kidding me? Come on, man. So finally, Danielson is like, okay, we'll do it your way, but I get to pick the stipulation for the match at Revolution if I have to follow your stipulations to become the number one contender. And MJF's like, sure, whatever. So Brian has chosen an hour-long Iron Man match for their match at Revolution, if it happens which probably will. And he says that using this type of match, he's going to expose MJF and all his weaknesses, his lack of cardio, his lack of skill, you know, he just showing he's not as good as he claims. And then once he's done that, uh, the PS de resistance will be when he kicks his damn head in. So how's, how's Daniel not going to win this? So the title, I mean, oh, oh, this it? type of match, he's one hundred percent gonna win. So I guess they're ready to change the titles. I mean, it took MJF so long to no, get that title. No, 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 no. No, I think that MJF will still find a way to like a scummy way to win. He would or, have to, or less likely. But here's an alternative scenario. You know how MJF has been since he won the title in November has been talking about the reign of terror and how it's going to go on forever. And like, it would be kind of funny if it's subverted and he just loses the title in his very first defense and he never gets the reign of terror. I mean, honestly, if it's going to be an Iron Man hour long match, it's going to be completely unbelievable. If MJF wins over. Brian. <laughs> Danielson. Not Daniel Bryan. I still struggle. I'm sorry. You got the total diva's head. I know. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I had one issue with this. Go for it. I don't think that Brian needed to slut shame. Nope. Didn't love it. Didn't love I mean, because I know you guys talk, I complain all the time when MJF does that shit. And Andy, you're always like, well, he's the heel. And so people know that he shouldn't be saying that stuff. But this is the face slut shaming. It's true. But also, I didn't think MJF needed to accuse Brian's uh, mom of uh, fucking a goat. No, (laughs) I didn't think that either. I also didn't think MJF needed to call some random person a fat skank. 
Oh yeah, he just said that. Like he just paused mid rant to to point at someone in the crowd and call them that. And I don't think that Brian or yeah, Brian needed to refer to um, MJF as a maxi pad either in like a derogatory. I, I don't know. I just like nope. Like, People with uteruses bleed. Yeah, sometimes. Like, fuck off, guys. Like I think you guys might be reaching a little bit on that one. I know I it's just the like, the tone felt like that's what they were. It felt very like like whatever age you are when you learn about periods and uh, you know armpit stink and stuff like that. It was just like okay, well isn't that grade school level? Like yeah, it's like fifth grade in separate rooms for boys and girls and like I don't know. I like if they hadn't have done all the other like demeaning of women jokes. I wouldn't have harped on the maxi pad thing. It would have been like a non-existent comment, but like, that was like the fourth. And it's just like, come on guys. Like, okay. yes. Here's, I think that two things can be true at once and are true at once. One, they should not have done the, your mama jokes. Like, the, especially like the you know like basically like the slut shaming ones that was not that was not good. However, MJF's facial reactions to every single one of them was incredible. I will accept that those two things can be true at once. Yes. Sure. Also, there was a moment where Danielson was just like, "I'm tired of talking. You do the spiel every week. We've heard it a million times. It's time to fight." And then he started to. He just started to walk towards the ropes. He barely got out of the ring. He, like, got <laughs> one leg out. Starts backpedaling up the ramp, shouting, whoa, 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 whoa. Consults with Taz about Brian's anger problem. He was, I, I really like chicken shit heel MJF. Oh, me too. And I love how, like, he did that to Taz. Taz clearly didn't, was not notified that this was going to happen. And he just kind of, <laughs> like, you could tell him being like, yeah, <laughs> he kind of was like, wait, I'm not supposed to be the focus right now. <laughs> yes, that part was fine. And it, the like your mom stuff, it's just like so also grade school, but also like haven't we moved past the point where like um, you're insulting a man by essentially defining his ownership or relation to a woman who he's above because that's why it's insulting to him. Eh, eh, Hate it. I do hope I do hope that they got the. Uh... The all clear from uh, from both moms. Oh, I doubt MJF would ask. He'd probably just be like, "Look, mom, it's for the gimmick. You have to be fine with this." Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you know, she is the person that like brings insulting signs about her son to the arena every time they're in New York. So I have to assume she's pretty game. I love that relationship for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. <sighs> okay. Well, that was exciting. I mean, the crowd was very into that for obvious reasons. Um, that was followed up by Swerve Strickland taking on A.R. Fox. Swerve is a the Northwest guy, but he's also the heel. But uh, this match was so compelling anyway because these two guys are so talented and athletic. And they were doing dives and just uh, some bananas moves together. And uh, they work so well together. I really enjoyed this match. And the crowd was into it. Um, Swerve won through cheating. Not cheating. Or did... Yeah, he did cheat. I forget. He cheated. Um, they said that Parker handed... Because, you know, his mogul affiliates or whatever were out there. Parker and 
tattoo face man. Um, but Parker handed him something, but I don't think they ever clarified what it was he handed, and I didn't see it. I didn't get a good look. But something, it was something enough to like hurt A.R. Fox so that Swerve could do a Death Valley driver on the ring apron on him, and then follow that up with a Swerve stomp, which was like excessively violent considering how out of it AR was and so that's how he got the win but like I don't know what Parker passed him he had his like fist it was like his fist was like closed over something so we couldn't see it I loved this match it was so good this is my type of match I was Mm -hmm. all in this was my favorite match of the night cool moves Mm -hmm. all that rope work it makes me want to like like Excalibur talked about how these two had a big rivalry in lucha underground and there was a huge two out of three falls match or something you don't want to see that match oh is it bloody they're like it's like panes of glass bloody ew okay and so i was just like this match is really cool (laughs) okay (laughs) pivot (laughs) but yeah very fun um very good match after that match uh we we go to Renee, who is sitting down with Soraya, um, and the two people she's going to presumably pick a partner out of, Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. Um, Renee asks for Soraya f- for a response to what Britt had said earlier in the night about her and Jamie being the AEW originals and Soraya never being able to do that. Um, Soraya just says, oh, that's just Britt gatekeeping and only being concerned about getting attention for herself, not worried about it. Uh, so Renee's like, cool. There's been a lot of hype about who you're your tag team teammate is going to be um do you do you have any idea of who that's going to be can you reveal it to us and soraya says well renee i'm sitting next to the best wrestler in the world here so it'd be wild for me to pick her and then she physically turns her back on hikaru shida and faces tony storm and says tony it's you and hikaru shida's like the fuck and she looks at renee and renee looks at her like what and um it was just very good like reaction of how dare you so tony storm and soraya do not pick up on this or care at all they just start talking and planning about <laughs> and hikaru she just just like making faces and like very insulted this is a full heel turn if i've ever seen one from soraya and tony i don't necessarily know if it's a heel turn from tony but soraya I mean, beyond what Megan said, there was also the whole thing where she's talking about how since I've come to AEW, I know that we have the best roster in the world and we have the best women in the matches in the world and all this stuff. It's just like, why didn't you know any of this stuff before you came to AEW? It, it made it sound like she was like, above, you know, above it mm-hmm. before, you know, before she got there and like didn't didn't do her homework, you know? Yeah. Well, remember when she came and she like tried to like, introduce the roster to the audience yeah, like yeah. introduce the women's champion to the to the audience and it's like we know who she is like just because you just realized who she is doesn't mean that we don't know who she is yeah yeah maybe she's just been in heel this whole time maybe because mm-hmm. honestly like the the britain and jamie promo was i mean i wouldn't say it was a full baby face promo but it did not seem like a heel promo to me no no, it was very. They were it, talking about they were talking about like being AEW originals and 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 you know and like and and they were talking oh, about guys. I figured it out. 
Mercedes what? is going to come and team with Sheeta and beat the crap out of Soraya and Tony after they beat Jamie and uh, Britt. Oh. Well, that would be interesting. I'm honestly okay with that. I hope that's right. Oh, I hope you're right. I hope we get. I hope this is like a, a Miro-like uh, pro, uh, prediction from you. Damn. But yeah, Andy, I agree. It it their promo to me sort of was reminiscent of Adam's promo against CM Punk without all the like undertone mm-hmm. that we didn't actually know about until they started being weird. Um, but just the like, I'm gonna save AEW from you. Like this is my place. You know. Yes. Totally. So interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that. I I hope Jenny's prediction comes through. But as of right now, all we know is Tony and Saray are teaming up against Britt and Jamie. Yeah. Uh, after that, we go back to the ring. Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn are walking out there in oh. um their funeral finest, which. They're their fancies. Yeah. <laughs> the Scorpio Sky likes to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they come out. They're here to remember FTR's careers because obviously they're over now. What with losing to Colton Gunn and Austin Gunn and then also off screen losing to. Well, I guess it hadn't happened at the time. Or had it? Yeah. They lo- oh, okay. Happened earlier in the day. Okay. So, yes. Um. Each gun does a quick insulting eulogy for FDR, and then they request a moment of silence. But instead FDRIP. of FDRIP, FDRIP, yes. Um, instead of silence, FDR. Tony didn't get it first. He was like, "F trip." <laughs> and then one of them said that that was like a Seattle like DJ host or something like on the radio. I didn't hear that. That's funny. I think they were giving him shit. <laughs> but yeah, F trip. Um, FTR's music hits and the guns are momentarily scared because FTR is not supposed to be here because they're in Japan can't make that trip Um, but they look scared for a second and then when they realize nothing's going to happen they laugh and they kick down the like they had pictures of FTR with uh, black wreaths underneath them and they knock those down and they walk away and they're like ha screw FTR so naturally, I assume FTR are going to have to come back and make these stupid boys pay. Um, Megan, they're done in AEW, so I don't know how they could. <laughs> okay. I just choose to believe they'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after that, we've got our requisite women's match um, right before the main event of the evening. It is Sky Blue and Kira Hogan against Red Velvet. And Jade Cargill, um, who are teaming up for some reason. Um, what with their rocky relationship. Jade uses this match to try and make Red Velvet miserable by making her pin her friend Kira. Uh, she tries at first. The first time she does it, she like knocks Kira out to the point where she, she drags her over to the corner. And then tags Red Velvet in without... Red Velvet trying to be tagged in. Um, and then Velvet can't get the job done. So Jade gets back in. She tries it again. Red Velvet drops off the apron before Jade can tag her. And starts walking backwards. And Jade's like, bitch. And then she just finishes it. 
<laughs> yeah, she's like, no big deal. I yeah. After all. Yeah, she's just like, I wanted to torture you, but if you're not going to do it, I'm doing it. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was something. <laughs> I don't understand where any of the Jade Car- uh, Cargill storylines are going. I don't either. I think, bored. I think they're stuck with, we don't want to just have her lose to, to no one, but... Let's fucking get her to what she's 47 now. Let's get her to 49 and 0 so we can beat her on 50 and then, you know, like get this chapter of Jade Cargill over with. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, right before we get to the main event, we get a quick uh, interview with Renee, sort of trying to talk to Sanjay, Jeff, Jay, and Satnam, who are like in a fit basically about what happened in their match. And Renee just says, hey, uh, there's going to be a no-holds-barred match on Battle of the Belts between Jay and Jeff and the Acclaimed for the titles once again. So, and Jeff Jarrett's like, hell yeah, there's going to be, like, I'm pissed. And so he's he's excited, I guess, to try it again. Give me that match. See, that is, that is like, a good, I feel like that's a good Battle of the Belts match. Yeah, I mean, at least it's going to be fun. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Battle of the Belts, uh... Maybe it'll turn around. I don't know. I have less hope for Battle of the Belts than I do Rampage. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see tomorrow night after Rampage. Maybe. With that, we get to the main event. Starby Allen, local, local hero, versus Samoa Joe, king of television. Darby has prepared a Seattle-specific entrance video for this place with uh, him skateboarding around Seattle areas, and the crowd loves it. As if they weren't going to love them already. Um, they have a skate park that's like under a bridge. Yeah, they yeah. look like scary and cool at the same time. Yeah. And did you notice the like slogan at the bottom said the face of TNT? So I knew it was happening. You didn't think that was just the uh, confidence on Darby's part? No, I thought that meant that he was getting the title. Oh, okay. Because he's a face. Oh, I mean, I didn't even put it like that. I just thought it was like how Britt said she was the face of the company or whatever. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, he's the face of TNT because he's going to hold the title. Yeah. Well, this match uh, starts out with a bang here because before the bell has even rung, Joe makes, well, Darby comes out first. Everybody loves him. Joe comes out as he's walking toward, like, into the ring area. He goes over and attacks a man in the crowd for no reason, and Darby dives on him from the ring. That was uh, that was uh, AEW Futures contract holder Nick Wayne. Okay. It was a, uh, a I believe he is 17 years old now. He signed a contract with AEW early in 2022 when he was 16 years old, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Executed upon his uh, 18th birthday. Huh. Yeah. Good for him. First move is getting choked by Samoa Joe. Yeah. In the crowd. His father, Buddy Wayne, was kind of a local local legend. In Seattle? Yeah. In that area, yeah. Trainer of of none other than Brian Alvarez. I knew I remembered that name from somewhere. Oh, Brian Alvarez was an actual wrestler? Yeah. And not. Yes. He trained with Darby because Darby was a Buddy Wayne trainee. 
He oh. trained at the same time? No. Um, Buddy, Brian told this story the other day that, like, when Darby was training, Buddy called Brian and said, like, hey, I just, like, I know you haven't wrestled in a couple of years, but I really would want you to come back down to the school and, like, I would really want you to work out with this guy. Oh, wow. Because he's, like, something special. That's cool. So Brian doesn't actively wrestle anymore, right? He wrestles, like, well, a few, like, he's wrestled, like, a few times, a handful of times over the past five years. Oh, okay. That's a, that's kind of cool, though. What a, like, fun thing to be called in. Like, this kid has talent. Can you come train with him? And then that's, he ends up on freaking Dynamite. Yeah. Which, at the time, obviously, they wouldn't have thought anything of because it wasn't around. And I do know that uh, yesterday, Brian was, Brian was at the building all day yesterday because he taped an episode of Talk is Jericho with he and he and Nick, the kid, uh, taped an episode together. Oh, well, so that's that cute. Fun. Hopefully, I'm hoping that's out tomorrow, but it's probably more likely to be next week. Okay. Yeah. That's cute. Um, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Darby, Darby defends little Nick uh, by diving on Joe. Um, they kind of scuffle and then Joe ends up on the side of the stage and Darby goes back through the tunnel and then brings out a huge ladder, like a 12 footer, sets it up. People are like, oh no, what's he going to do? And I thought he was going to dive off of it onto Joe on the side of the stage, but luckily Joe had made his way up onto the ramp. So it was still a 12 foot fall, but it could have been further. Darby, Darby dope on him. So that's how we start this sucker off. Um, from there, I think it's pretty much a, a Joe beating the shit out of him event. All the way up until the end. Like, Darby takes a lot, a lot of beatings. But I mean, that's what he's good at. Um, but in the end, he gets Joe. He has to do not one, but two coffin drops before he can pin him. But he gets that title. Darby is our new face of TNT. <laughs> These two might have the best chemistry in the entire company. I, they definitely like complement each other style very well because obviously Joe's a big hard hitter and Darby's like will fling his body around like a sack of potatoes. That bump Darby took on the stairs was just like, <sighs> it's like how you because it's like it's uneven, so like I don't even know how you can like prepare your body for where it might land when there's like, you know what I mean. I, that's the thing is, I don't know that Darby thinks that far ahead, and I don't think he cares. Like, I don't know that preparing is, like, a thing he worries about, which worries me, because that's so dangerous. <laughs> but it just seems like he kind of, like, just shows up and sees what happens. Yeah, I mean, that's that does seem to be the case. But uh, this match was great, and what a what a fantastic way to 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 kind of, like, close out the... This episode of Dynamite, which I truly think is one of the best ever episodes, and like largely because of that insane crowd. Yes, and let us not miss out on the fact that after the match was over, there's a lot of celebration. Goth Dad came out, yeah, gave Darby a hug. That was Very really cute. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just, I was like, they've been together for over two years now. 
Mm-hmm. I've never once worried that they were going to split up. I, they just <laughs> feel so like good together. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to wrestle in Japan. Yes. Yes, they're teaming up with the Great Muda um, in, in his uh, retirement match uh, later this month for Pro Wrestling Noah at the Tokyo Dome. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. It will be fun. I don't know who they're wrestling. I don't know if they've named their opponents yet, but uh, but that'll be fun. But yeah, but basically, like, I think what happened is Muda asked Sting if he would come do it because they had this a really famous rivalry in, like, 1989 uh, in in America, and that's how like Muda became a star in America. And then Sting was like, "Yes, I will do it. Let's get Darby over too, so he can basically take all the well, bumps." <laughs> well, okay. I mean, it's sweet, but also that's very smart of him. But, yeah, but I also do think that he probably just wanted to let to you know to give Darby that platform too. But I think it'll also make like a nicer match because we watched the oh yeah Shinsuke Nakamura Muda match and it was rather slow as you can imagine a 60 something year old it was a lot of yeah it was a lot of smoke and mirrors and Mm -hmm. literal mist yeah Shinsuke Shinsuke was looked like he was having a good time yeah he did he looked really happy yeah Yeah, how's he doing I love that he was there he looked good he's you know he's uh didn't look as good as Kenta looks. I love Kenta's new hair. Kenta grew his hair out. And he wears oh. like one of those like um, sweatband things that you keep the hair out of your face when you're working out. It's a, it's a good look. Kenta? Yeah, I could see that. Oh, Kenta. They were, he, he, and, uh, he was in a match uh, against uh, Satoshi Kojima. Oh... Bread club. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Yeah, this um this Wrestle Universe app is cool. I think I might there's like a there's like a Tokyo Joshi Pro match or a show that took place a couple days ago that I I'm I'm kinda interested in watching too. So I might as well while I have the well I have the you know, I've committed to the month, so I might as well watch as much as I can. Yeah, because didn't you just commit to the month right before Wrestle Kingdom, so you've got like almost a whole month, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, because the like the Sting, the Sting and Muda and Darby match is like the twenty third, I think. So, yeah, might as well. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but that was Dynamite, a great show. Um, Rampage should be more interesting than usual because um, they're going to be live from Portland, so another another first time market, and. Uh, and you know, here, here's the thing: if you're doing live rampages, you should like if you're on the West Coast, you should definitely do live rampages because then you're then you've only got people out there at like 7 p.m. Yeah, that's true. So you're gonna have like hotter crowds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I expect that to be pretty lit. I mean, do you think Portland's going to have the same vibe as Seattle? Because it's like, well, you've never been here before, so <laughs> we'll take anything you give us. We love it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I just saw that they just announced a, a Derby versus Mike Bennett match for that for the Rampage show. So um, they want to get Derby back out there. 
which I'm surprised he can he can walk after last night. But <laughs> oh my god, I know. Yeah, but I don't think I, I don't think they have any like Oregon proper wrestlers on that roster that I can think of. Yeah, that's yeah. Do you? Well, I guess the Northwest guys will just still. It'll be another like like them. You know, not saying Tony Khan's going to load the show with them, but they would be the the popular well, ones. Danielson and Moxley are teaming up. Did yes, you see that? I was excited about that. Yeah, they're taking on Top Flight. Yeah, it's like apparently every combination of the BCC is going to beat Top Flight. Um. <laughs> Sorry, Top Flight, but also like enjoy the experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This should be a fun show. Um, okay, well, let's, we, we were running long tonight, uh, because of all the birthday banter and my sidebar about adding a show to our schedule, but, uh, we got to do the Elite Beat Plug of the Week, and, uh, Megan, this week I will let you go first. Oh, that's great, because I've failed to do much of anything. Um, I will say, I've continued on in the, uh, Dark Side Detective, the second one, which I forget the the cute title, but I'm really oh, enjoying that. Let me say before you like uh, Amanda told me that she bought that after hearing your praise of it, and uh, she and Jay are playing through it together. Oh, good. Yes, it's very like Jay appropriate, like it's kid appropriate. Yeah, you know, and yeah. So, oh, that's that's great. That warms my heart. I'm glad she got something out of it. I will say I've enjoyed the second one. And if they're playing through the first one and like it, and they get the second one, they'll probably get a lot more of the references back to the first one than I did because I played it a while ago. And it doesn't like ruin the experience, but I'm definitely like, crap, I know I played that that game. I just cannot remember what this is like, just little like one off like di- lines of dialogue. So I'm glad they're enjoying it. Um, the second one has it's pretty like satisfying as far as like the amount of content they give you like. I think there's like uh, six cases and then three bonus cases. If <sighs> I bought it on the switch, I don't think I bought a special <laughs> thing, but there were three bonus cases. I don't know why I got them, but they take like, like a few, maybe like three to five hours each. So I'm satisfied with the amount of content I'm working through and it's cute. It's got fun humor. Um, I am not tired of pixelated art games at all. So if you are, I guess that wouldn't be good for you. But I find it charming. And it's just like a fun old school style point and click adventure game with like supernatural themes. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's uh, if I, if I ever uh, turn my switch on again, uh, <laughs> I need something to check out. Jenny? I don't even know where our switch is. Uh, it's in a drawer in, in a room. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, we rewatched the Taylor Swift Folklore Long Pond Sessions, which is um, on Disney+. Plus, and it is just kind of like a little documentary music thing. It's, it's kind of like a concert documentary. Kind of. Yeah. Where it's... Um, her and Aaron Drescher from the National 
And Jack Antonoff, who helped um, her write and produce and create the Folklore album, um, got together kind of in the fall of 2020, um, (sighs) once people were allowed to kind of travel a little bit, and um, played all of the songs from the Folklore album, So, which is my favorite Taylor Swift album because it's my favorite type of music, but also from Taylor Swift. Um, And... uh, and they hadn't played it together before because they had all been kind of recording and producing from um, different locations because it was in the middle of the pandemic. And they kind of talk about like the background on the songs and stuff like that. And it's just a uh, nice, lighthearted, nice little songs, you know. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And they do that um, when they play uh, Exile. They also have like Justin Vernon remotely from Wisconsin from Wisconsin because he didn't make it out um but uh but that's really awesome too yeah great performance there mm-hmm. um yeah so Taylor Swift uh the Long Pond Studio Sessions on Disney Plus um there's a lot of like weird concert type content on Disney Plus like they just had that Elton John mm. concert we haven't watched that. We one haven't yet. watched that one yet, but it's on there, and I think there's. I feel like there's another one that I'm. I can't think of, but anyway, yeah, they've been doing more of that kind of content lately. I think. Um, okay, my plug of the week. Uh, I just want to say, like, there's a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed this past week. Um, one of them, and I'm, this is not my plug of the week. I'm just going to very briefly say, they ported Vampire Survivors to iOS, and it is free. And it does not have ads, which is impressive too. Um, it, it, you, if you die, there is an option to watch an ad if you want to revive your character and continue your run, but you don't have to. So there are no there are no mandatory ads. Um, and it play, I mean, it pretty much plays just like the just like the console version. So Megan, if you're still, you know, like that's that is a way to to play that game. If you, yeah, okay, she's on it. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Megan, you'll get a seizure. I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't yet, so <laughs> I think I'm okay. Um, but the thing I do want to plug, uh, we also watched uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery the other day, uh, which is, of course, the sequel to Knives Out and a subtitle that uh, director Ryan Johnson really did not want to have attached to the movie. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's more Benoit Blanc solving mysteries and cracking wise and being very Southern. And, uh, it's got a different tone than the first movie. It's a little more tongue in cheek. A lot of cameos in this one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, uh, I I still had a lot of fun watching it. I had a lot of fun watching it too. I definitely preferred the first movie, but this one was fun and, uh, definitely a different tone, but, um, but fun. And I think more about Benoit, than the first one for like, sure first one was mostly about the nurse yeah yeah for sure uh yeah but i th- i had a lot of fun with it and uh they're making a third one so yeah i got i got the impression that maybe they focused on him this time around because he is the almost like a sherlock holmes where it's like there's going to be movies with him just solving different cases that are unrelated because this one is it's not a direct sequel right like no one in the first one is in this one right or it's like other than benoit 
Yeah, like they're not related no, in any way, right? It's like I mean, it's kind of like the uh, it's it's like a what do we what do you call it? It's like a um, murder on the Orient Express, death on the Nile situation where uh-huh. you take Poro from one setting to another, and it's yeah, it's just a whole new whole new cast of characters surrounding him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw it um, hit Netflix, and I was like, oh, that's awesome because I wanted to see it, but I didn't realize it would come to streaming so fast. So I'll it have is to a check Netflix that out. Movie. Oh well, that explains it. <laughs> Yeah, they bought they bought the rights to uh, uh, two uh, Knives Out sequels, so so the third one will also be on Netflix. Will it also come out in the theaters? Uh, I don't know. Like that was a concession that Ryan Johnson had to fight really hard for to even just get like that 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 ten day period in theaters. So, mm-hmm. so who knows? Um, well, when you sell your soul to Netflix, sometimes I'm just joking. I, I love a lot of stuff on Netflix. You know. I do the too, but us. if they don't let me share my password with other people outside my household, I'll be pissed. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't actually happen because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have a trouble with that because I don't want to have to pay for Netflix. Yep, but I watch it a lot. I think we'll have to find space in the budget for that if it yeah. comes to it. Someone's Patreon accounts are gonna get dipped into. Yep. Probably so. Uh, Bye-bye, Next Lander. Yeah, only Um, one of us has one. uh The other one has about five. Uh, Support uh, the arts. Let me see what I got got going right now. You did just drop two. Okay, I do have five. So you used to have seven. Yeah. One of them is only $1 a month. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I love the $1. I had to up my... um, Supporting of Stephanie Jarvis to the $10 tier because she found major structural issues. You talked about beams. <laughs> her, uh, her, her grand salon and the two bedrooms above it are about to collapse because of the beams are like gone. So they're going to have to tear out the whole thing and replace it all. So I, uh, I did up my donation by five dollars once I saw it. she was crying in the video and I felt so bad. I just want to like isolate the the sentence. I had to up my Patreon to ten dollars because for Stephanie Jarvis because she found the beams needed to be replaced for however you say it was just so wild. <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever. Support the arts. I'm I'm down with it. Patreon, pay people I like to listen to. <sighs> All right. I think that'll do it for this week uh, for Megan and for Jenny. I am Andy. Thank you all for listening to the Elite Beat. E-Elite Beat. E-Elite Beat.